Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. So let's get started today with the message. And I want to go to Romans 10, 17. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, if I said to you that strength comes from lifting weights, how many of you would agree? How many of you say, okay, what if I went to the gym once? I'm going to get buff. What did I do? I went to the gym once. Someone told me about these exercises. They're called curls. I did one. And then someone said there's something called squats, so I did that once. And, and I did tricep extensions once. And I did every, you know what? I did all of them. I used every machine there. I did it all. Am I going to get buff? Not yet. Not unless I keep doing it. And, and that, that, that talks about faith, it says faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say by having heard. It doesn't say faith comes from a hearing. That tense is a continuous tense. Faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing. And where does that hearing come from? From the word of God. We are called by God to grow in our faith. And there will be things, so I want to talk today about the power that is in the name of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. And some of you are going to be like, yeah, I heard that before. And my thing to you is, well, so what if you did a curl once? If you want to increase in strength, if you want your faith to be increase in power and efficiency, I'm thinking in Spanish, eficacia, then you need to repeat you need to go back. You need to meditate on that, hear it over and over and over again. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray, this is Paul's prayer for them. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power. So he's praying about God's power and then he says, for us who believe. Who is that power for? Uh, say me. me. Us. That power is for us. That, the, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. That is the kind of power that Paul was praying would be for us, the people in the church. Whoa, that's buff. Like, that's some serious strength. And he says, in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed 
all things. What things? What things? All things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, I'm going to draw attention to the power and then also to what he said here. He says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name. Now, here's the thing. When you and I hear a name, what we think is a label. What's a name? What's a label? You know, what kind of car do you drive? Well, you know, I might drive a, let's see, what's one of these cars? There are some of them that have the same car built by multiple companies with the same name, different names. Have you ever noticed that? Like you have the Ford Escape and who has the tribute? Mazda Tribute. Ever noticed the same thing? The, the Chevy Tahoe and the Cadillac Escalade. Same thing. They just put a few extra trims on it and slapped a different label on it, a different name. When we think of names, we think of labels. But when the scripture is talking about that name, and it says it's far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and name. That's what the Bible is talking about. When we look at name, look at those other words that it was placed with. Dominion, power, authority, rule, name. Do you guys remember those tests that you had? And they'd be like, which thing doesn't belong? Eagle, robin, uh, hawk, toad. And you're supposed to look and say, well, what do they all have in common? Well, most of them were birds. One of them was an amphibian. You look at this, and, and many of us, if we think the way that, that Americans tend to think, rule, authority, power, dominion, name, we'd be like, toad. Name just doesn't feel. Like, label doesn't match with those others. But when the Bible talks about the name of God, it's not talking about the label. It's talking about something that has in common with rule, authority, power, and dominion. Can you follow? When the scripture says there's power in the name, it's not talking about the label. Let's, let's go to an example. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 8. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going, from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Most of us have heard that story before. He was healed. How? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He, they commanded healing in the name of Jesus. So what is in the name of Jesus, and how do we access it? It wasn't under the label, Jesus. It, when he said in the name, he was referring to the authority, the power, and the dominion that comes with that name. Look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, so as a result of me having all the authority, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. He had how much authority? All authority. Okay, I like spy movies. I like action movies. And I have no personal experience with this other than what I've watched on the movies. But they're always talking about, that's classified. Do you have enough clearance? To get that, you know, like, and then, and then one guy will be like, no, that's classified. What's your clearance level? And then they're trying, like, some people can see it, other people can't. Some people have the authority to go in and be given that information or to go to that special, you know, underground bunker somewhere, whatever it is, and other people don't. But it says of Jesus, he has all authority. His clearance level is the highest that there is. It's to the top. Acts 4.12 says it this way, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no name higher. But again, that's not just saying a label. That says there is no rule there is no authority, there is no dominion higher than that name. Now, when, we, when, when people talk about the power that's in the name and that Jesus, that, 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 that power, is it, is it in the sound? Is it in the pronunciation? If it was, then, you know, what about different languages? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's just Spanish, French, and English. It sounds different. What if, what if you just have a bad accent? Like, can you use the name? Some people have had the idea that, that maybe the power in the name is like it's, a, it's magic in the sound. And that they need to try and figure out how 
to use that magic abracadabra. You know, if I say it right, will it work? There's actually an interesting story in the Bible about some people who tried that. Watch this. Acts chapter 19. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirits was leapt on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So here we have some people who noticed that the disciples of Jesus were going about casting out demons, exercising authority in Jesus' name. And they thought, well, it must be in the sound. They didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't believe in what Jesus had done. They They just said, okay, let's try this out. And they went up and it says, I exercise you... You, I, I cast you out. And Jesus, you know, the one Paul teaches. Why didn't it work? Why did their use of the name of Jesus not have the same effect when they said that as it did when Jesus, his disciples, did? Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, what did, what did he say was in his name? It was the name with power to save. And then it says that salvation comes through faith. The power that is in the name of Jesus isn't in the pronunciation of the, the, the word. Although we see over and over again that that is where and how people release their faith. They would say, in the name of Jesus. Those unbelievers who tried to just utter the word without any faith in the name didn't have any success. They didn't understand it. The name of Jesus is, is the authority of Jesus. It's the dominion that he has. If a policeman was to come here, they have a badge. That badge is the emblem of the authority that has been given to them. They pulled that out. You know what that badge has? It has like the, the seal of whatever city or state that they represent. It also has a number on there, and it has a name. Whose name is on it? Probably their name, but then also the city's name or the state's name. And what it says is, this person has this city's authority. This person has this state authority. And if they come in and they flash their badge, what does that badge do? It gives them 
It represents the authority that they have been given by the city. If I nab their badge and then go flashing it around, does it work for me? No, I don't, I don't actually have that authority. It was not given to me. I'm pretending. They didn't, they didn't have that authority. Why? Because they didn't have faith in him. They didn't understand what they were doing. I, I find it fascinating that, that the, the evil spirits responded, we know Jesus and we know Paul. But we don't have a clue who you are. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I hear this story, I'm inspired that I want to be the type of Christian who the demons know my name. Who they listen and they say, wait a minute, oh, I've heard about them. Res Life in Holland, yeah, we've heard about that place. That place operates in the name of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus. Not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Our faith is our confidence. The Bible said, how does your faith grow? It grows by hearing. Remember that? Multiple times, multiple times. You know, the first time that somebody comes to you as a Christian and says, God, by his stripes, you were healed. What do you think? Well, that, that would be interesting. Imagine. Imagine if God died on the cross, not just so that I wouldn't go to hell, but also so that I didn't have to be sick. What an interesting concept. But are you convinced? Do you have faith? That that's, not yet. You've, you've curled the weight once. Once. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Over and over and over again. You get into that word. You start to list, read scripture after scripture and story after story. And you're like, you know what? I knew that the Bible talked about healing, but my goodness, when I start getting in here, I start noticing it just kept happening over and over and over again. Like, this is a pattern of behavior that God had throughout the Bible. And then I found this verse that said, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whoever it is that told me that that was gone, I don't think they were reading much of their Bible. I'm going to go back and I'm going to, you know what you do? As, as, you, as you lift and as you hear the word of God, as you hear it over and over and over again, as you meditate on that, you begin to grow in your confidence that it is truth, that you can rely on it. What is faith? Faith is confidence in what is unseen. Would you hand me? I'm just going to take this chair. All right. Now, we've been setting up chairs all week, setting them up, setting them down. You know, 
I've, I've touched a lot of these chairs. I've set a lot of them up. I'm pretty confident that this chair can support me. I don't even have to look. I can just sit down. Whew. It was pretty easy to have faith that this chair would work. Now, how many of you guys have ever pulled the chair out from under somebody? <laughs> what happens? Somebody with complete faith that what they're not looking at is there and going to catch them goes to sit, and it's not there. It, to me, it's, it's a silly little example, but to me, that helps me to grasp what it's like to expect the unseen. What is faith? Faith is growing in confidence in God's promises to the point where I don't have to look back and double check and be like, is it there? I mean, <laughs> whew, whew, it worked. Anyone else want to try it? Why? Because if that's the case, you're not confident. But if you have confidence, you don't have to, to look, double check. You just do. You sit back. You just expect what you can't see or measure in advance to do what it was designed to do, what it promised, God's word promised it would be. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Salvation? How many of you are saved? Awesome. Now, most of us, when we think I'm saved, we're like, I've got the get out of hell free card. Right? How many of you guys played Monopoly? Do you remember the jail in the far corner? And if you happened to get the get out of jail card, then you could just, you know what? If I land in jail, I just hand that over and I'm out. Woo! A lot of people, we think about salvation and it's like, it's my get out of hell card. Which it is. But... The Bible describes it as so much more. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Now, a Bible translator by the name of Schofield wrote on his notes about the word of salvation. He said, the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel, gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes as justification, redemption, grace, propitiation, imputation, forgiveness, sanctification, and glorification. In other words, when we recognize everybody was come, I'm saved. Good. But do we understand do we have confidence in all that that salvation included for us? There's a true story about a man in the, the 1800s, around back when they used to travel from Europe to the U.S. by boat. 
And he was an immigrant and he saved up his money and he was planning to go to the U.S. And he bought a ticket on one of those ocean liners and it would take weeks to cross. But he had just enough money for the ticket and barely anything else. So the whole time that he was on the boat, he had brought in his luggage, he'd brought like just like crackers. And he was, he was snacking on these little things that he had. And, and some of the other uh, passengers would go up to the cafeteria area and they would do all of that. And on the last day when he pulls into port, he's getting ready, he's getting in line to leave. And the captain walks by and sees him and, and is thinking to himself, well, I feel like I've met everybody on the boat, but I hadn't met this guy. And the captain comes up to him and says, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised to see you. you. You've obviously been on the boat this whole time, but, but I don't recall meeting you in the mess hall. And, and he responded and he said, well, that's because I didn't have enough money for those extra meals. So I just stayed in my quarters and, and ate what I had packed. And the captain said, but your ticket included all of the meals. He didn't realize it until the last day. He already had access to great meals with everybody else. He could have been having that all along. And I, I, I think about some of us as Christians, that like that might be what it looks like when we get to heaven and we show up and God's going to be like, well, I'm glad you're here, but you know, your ticket included so much more. There was so much more in the name of Jesus. Yes, the name of Jesus includes salvation in the sense that it includes being saved from hell. But the Bible says that it is the power. And I'm going to read what Schofield said again. He said, it implies deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes. Justification, redemption, grace, propitiation, imputation, forgiveness, sanctification, and glorification. The name of Jesus is not a good luck charm. It's not a rabbit's foot. No, but faith in the name is faith that Jesus dethroned the powers of darkness. That Jesus defeated the devil. That Jesus paid for sin. That he has all authority and he has given that authority to us. His name is the name above all names. That is, his rule and his dominion is the rule and dominion above all rules and dominions. His authority is the authority above all authorities. That he has the seat above all seats. And that you have been given the right to use that name as part of his body. We don't have to hope that it works. We can know. Mark 4, 24 in the Amplified Version says, Then he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you, and you will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be given to you besides. You and I have access to the power that is in his name. Revelation 1.8 says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive 
forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When we use the name, when we call on the name of Jesus, we aren't just saying, hey, spiritual dude in the heavens up there, come bail me out. That's not what it means. When we speak the name of Jesus, when we declare the name of Jesus over a situation, what we're saying is that authority, that power that you've given me, I speak it over this situation now. There are times when, when you don't have time to say much else. And when you call on the name of the Lord, when you speak his name, you are calling on all of his power, dominion, rule, and authority. I was trying to think of different examples. <laughs> In high school, I did a stupid thing. Not the only one I've ever done, but one of. On 44th Street in Granville, two doors to the east of Buffalo Wild Wings is a Seventh-day Adventist church with a peak like this. And on the front is like a stone, you know, like looks like a stone chimney, but there's no chimney. It's just this big section. My friend and I got the brilliant idea to try to climb that like a cliff. And I went three and a half, four stories, whatever it is, all the way to the very top and fell. My friend was next to me and he says, when, he said, when you fell, he said, I said, Jesus, 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 boom. I twisted my ankle. I didn't get to, to run in cross country the next day, but I was okay and I'm still here and we're, praise God. In that moment, he didn't have time to think about it. He didn't go through it. He just said, Jesus, be there. My parents tell a story of, of, of a time when they were driving in the mountains in Mexico and there you get these like semi-trucks that are doing 15 miles an hour up these mountain roads, and it's windy. And so if they're going to do 15 miles an hour, you do not want to be behind them for the next eight hours because, I mean, a long road, it takes a long time at 15. So you got to pass. But there's rarely a straight section to pass in. And so it, it's very common for people to watch the mountain pass. And if, the, if it curves around like this, then you can watch and they track, you know, what cars are coming. And so people, they'll pass on a curve because they've looked ahead and seen what was coming. So one time they're, they're driving and this truck comes around the, the bend and there is a car next to it that had thought it could pass. And there is just simply a cliff on the other side. And they just said, Jesus. And the car appeared on the other side of them. There was no mathematical space for the cars to fit. They just called it out. 
There is power in the name. There is healing in his name. There is healing for broken hearts in the name. We are to be convinced of what is in the name. That is what it means to have faith in the name. Mark 16, 17, and 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Again, what does it mean to believe in a name? It doesn't mean to, oh, I'm, I know how it's pronounced. No. I recognize the authority that is in this name. It says, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mark. 16, 17 through 18. First John 4, 4 says, You are God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is, this is what we need to grow in our confidence of. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Read that, believe that, hear that, trust that, grow in your confidence of that. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid for what can mere mortals do to me? That's what it looks like when we have confidence in his name. When I was in Bible school, Kenneth Hagin used to tell a story that he heard from Charles Spurgeon, who is a famous preacher. And he was back like in the late, the end of the 1800s. But he was a famous Baptist preacher, and he tells a story of how he was called to the home of an elderly woman who was bedfast. Malnutrition was about to take her life. During his visit, Spurgeon noticed a framed document on the wall, and he asked the woman, is this yours? She said, oh, it was. And she explained that she used to work as the maid in the household of English nobility. And before the lady so-and-so had died, the noble that she had worked for, the woman said, she gave that to me. I served her for nearly 50 years. I've been so proud of it because she gave it to me. I had it framed, and it's been hanging there on the wall ever since she died 10 years ago. Mr. Spurgeon asked, would you allow me to take it and have it examined more closely? Oh, yes, said the woman, who had never learned to read. Just be sure to see that I get it back. Spurgeon took it to the authorities. They had been looking for it. It was a bequest. The English noblewoman had left her maid a home and money. The maid was living in a little one-room house built of wooden boxes and was nearly starving to death. Yet, she had hanging on the wall a document that authorized her to be well cared for and live in a fine house. The money she had been given had been gathering interest for ten years. It belonged to her. Spurgeon helped her to get it. But it didn't do as much good as it could have 
had she kept had it from the beginning. John 3.23 says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us this commandment. Now, it says to believe. Some people believe that miracles stopped with the last apostle. If they believe that, what they don't believe is that miracles are for today. I see those people like that woman with the framed title to a home and riches on their wall. They have what they believe. But his name has given them access to so much more. John 16, 23. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. We have talked about this verse before. How many remember what I always say about that? That there are two different words for ask. The first one says, you will ask in that day, you will ask me nothing. That's the ask to ask permission, like ask to borrow something. Then the other ask is, is to request what is owed, like the way you would ask your bank for the money you already deposited there. Now, but I want to focus. So we've talked about that before. So I'm going to take time, and I want to focus on the first part of that verse. It says, in that day. This is John 16. Jesus said, in that day. Why did Jesus say, in that day and not in this day? Why did Jesus say that in that day you will ask for these things? Instead of saying, start today. See, in John 16, Jesus had not yet died. He had not yet been resurrected. He had not yet taken the keys, as he describes it, of death from Satan. He had not yet taken back the authority. But he says in that day. What day? The day that is coming, the day that is after I have all of that authority that you need to accomplish these things. Oh, in that day, you won't petition anymore. In that day, you will recognize what you have and you will declare it. You will ask understanding what has already been given to you. What was the difference between the day in which Jesus said this and the day he was talking about? He was talking about once I have taken back all that authority. Why was it that day? Because then he had rose from the dead. He had conquered the host of hell. That's when he would be seated at the right hand, far above all principalities, power, dominion. He would be the name above every name, highly exalted. What time? I don't have time. I have a list, two pages long, of the names of Jesus. You realize the power isn't in J-E-S-U-S. It's in him, his identity, his name, 
every one of his names. The advocate, the almighty, the ancient of days, the beginning, the begotten, the beloved of God, the chief counselor, the counselor of Israel, the day spring, the day star, the desire of all the nations, the, the from everlasting, the eternal one, the firstborn, the firstfruits, the friend of all the sinners, God with us, great teacher, great and high priest, the head of the church, the heir of all things, the hope of glory, the I am, the I am, the judge of the living and the dead, the king of the kings, the Lord of the Lord, light, life, living stone, meditator, man of sorrows, and that's one third of it. All of those names have the same power. Colossians chapter 3.17. This is the verse we're going to close with. It says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do we have that up? Read it, read it with me. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, do it all in my name. We talked about some of the fun and exciting things. You know what? Pray for the sick in my name. Peter and Paul prayed for the sick. But you know what? You know what all includes? All includes all. That means sweep the floors in his name. Make beds in his name. Teach children's church in his name. Sing a song in his name. Play an instrument in his name. Work on computers in his name. Work for GM in his name. Fix plumbing in his name. Do whatever you do. You are representative of his. You are doing whatever you do all. Say it with me. All. 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 Everything we do, he says, we can do in the authority that he has given us. Everything. Everything. I'm only skipping about four pages. God has called us into his family. He has made us heirs. The Bible describes us as adopted children into his family. We are heirs of Christ. We have his name. When you become, you come into a family, when you receive the name, everything that that family has is now a part of your inheritance. That's us. We're in his family. We have his name. He has given us the authority that comes with that name. There is power in the name of Jesus. Let's go out and live with that understanding. Confidence in that name. Go back, read, recognize. What does that look like? So that we can do everything that we've been called to do through that name, no matter how important that action is. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for what you have promised us in your word. I thank you for the power that you have given us in your name. We speak blessing. I I ask wisdom on every person here. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken in their hearts 
the places and areas in their lives where you desire to exert the, the blessing and the authority and the power that your word describes. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. We talked about it a minute ago. I asked and I said, who is saved? And, and most of you raised your hand. If you didn't, and if you wondered, I would like to be saved, but I don't, I don't know. I want to be right with God, but I'm not sure. I mean, I've been to church. I believe he is. You know what? The devil believes that he exists. It's not just knowing that he's out there. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. The first step in a right relationship with God is confessing and believing and making him the Lord of your life, submitting to his authority. If you're here, and you want to know that you have made that step, that you are on the right path, that you are forgiven of your sins. With every eye closed, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. If you're watching online, I include you in this too. We're going to repeat a prayer like what it describes in Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's not the magic of the words. It's the intent of the heart. So if you repeat that with me and you mean it, then God says he accepts that and he forgives you. So let's say it, say it together. Say, dear God, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead. I accept your forgiveness. I submit to your authority. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you, please come on down. We have a gift we'd like to give you. If you were online and did that, send us a private message or put a comment in the video that you're watching or the audio you're listening to. We will respond and get you a link so you can have that same gift. 